Freedom didn't come easy to us. Only after struggle, sacrifices and sweat. And lots of it. At the morning brief, we too decided to take some creative liberty and change the format a bit. and even the date of our usual episode drop to celebrate the 75th birthday of our country after all that's the true meaning of freedom right over two special episodes we will be discussing entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs who came to india before during or right after the partition in 1947 and built enduring businesses and brands through sheer grit acumen and work ethic while simultaneously carrying the burden of history and that of a divided nation deep in their hearts forever my father when he came to india well, not came to india but when he left amritsar to go to bombay he was given 10 rupees by his brother in law in his pocket and when my father passed away in 2016 the market cap of finlex at that time was about 10000 crores so his journey was really remarkable that's prakash chabria executive chairman at finolex industries joining us from london and talking about his father pralal chabria or pp as he was lovingly called by family and friends the founder and chairman of finolex industries Pralat Chabria left Karachi just before his teens and began his adventure first in Amritsar then in Mumbai and eventually in Pune where he settled and built the country's leading cable company Finolex He said if I wanted I could also keep reminiscing on the past that I used to have live in a big house and we had so much stuff and we used to do this He said I didn't have the time and luxury to do that I would just sleep on the floor go to sleep get up in the morning and start working because he went through all this at young age He appreciated the meaning of money. He appreciated the meaning of spending money. He appreciated the meaning of having money. And because of what he experienced, he also really really appreciated and thought of us on how to share money. Don't just keep it for you. It is to give away. Pralat Chhabria is just one example from the Nandas of Escorts to the Singhs of Apollo Tires, from the Thapars of Ballarpur to Dharampal Gulati of MDH Masala. There are many who survived partition and went on to build enduring legacies. From the Economic Times, I'm your host Dia Rekhi and you will be listening to The Chronicles of Business Bazigars on this Independence Day special of the Morning Brief. Over to Prakash and the story of Pralad and Phenolex. I really wish my father was here he would have loved uh, chatting to you especially on this subject his favorite subject about his childhood his moving from there to here and you know how life treated him and what he thought about life he was a very philosophical man at times so he loved to talk about things like this well to begin with he was born in karachi in 1930 and at that time as you know we were all one there was only one one country around 1945 46 around that time he came to amritsar and uh, he settled down over there with his sister 
who by then had married. So actually, his sister and his brother-in-law took him in, and he was till the last day very grateful to them. And especially at that age, when you leave your town, your city, and you come into another place, and if somebody gives you shelter, you know, you, it it creates an impact. It just keeps you in you. When he was a child, he was, as he would say, quite naughty. He would not enjoy going to school. So as far as I also remember, he never ever came to my school. In, in whatever years, he never would ask me about my report card or what did I get or what I didn't get. He would only say work hard, and work hard for him meant everything. So all he taught us was to be work hard. Just be honest with what you're doing. Be honest to people and be your core self. Be on the ground. Don't try to fly too high. Just be on the ground. When he was a kid, his father, my grandfather, they were quite rich at that time. But uh, my father lost his father at the age of around twelve. and uh, that came as a shock to the whole family and uh, unfortunately they all lost their wealth after him passing away because of various reasons so when he came into amritsar he was quite poor so to say and he would tell us stories how he would sleep on the floor how he would be sweeping the floors of the shops wherever he worked and uh, you know serving tea serving water to the customers but whenever he told us this story he didn't ended by telling us this story out of you know getting some pity or remorse he would tell us these stories to tell us in a way what we call today as customer is king he would tell us that by interacting with the customer at an eye level that is by serving him a glass of water you first of all make him happy put a smile on the customer's face or any of your guests whether it's a customer or guest and once you have brought that smile on the face of the person you're meeting for the first time who has come to your shop or to your house what you are doing is you are building a bond a bridge a bridge on a positive note he believed in all these things you know about bridges and positivity and all that and about humans he he loved people for him i mean he did not understand whether there was a rich person or a poor person he didn't know that for him everybody was same even till when he passed away he had friends who were very rich he had friends who were very poor and across the spectrum but he would treat all of them the same so he enjoyed people he loved people absolutely uh, you know when you're speaking about this time he was only 12 you know you had mentioned uh, when he came to amritsar and you know when he had to start all over in a sense uh, what was the kind of support that he received at that time his his eldest sister had got married and her husband they had uh, they were now living in amritsar so they gave him shelter and uh, it meant a lot to him that somebody had given him shelter and was you know giving him a place to stay to give give him food they even gave him a job and he also recalls one time when he was walking on the streets of amritsar he met a person just bumped into a person who used to be a staff member in their house years ago and that gentleman came up to him and took him to his shop because he had started a sweet shop and fed him sweets and spoke to him and was very nice to him he even offered my father to say to him that why don't you sit behind the counter you know as a matter of respect but my father said no it's your place and you know so he met people like that he also narrated an incident when he traveled by train from amritsar to bombay he wanted to move on so he was on a train and his uh, brother in law gave him 10 rupees in his pocket now my father hardly ever went to school he hardly spoke english but he had a very sharp memory and 
what he did is he took out the note and read the numbers and kept in his pocket and the story goes that when he entered the train he kept on taking out the note and seeing the note and the people around him told him just you know keep it in your pocket don't keep it taking it out you know the people are watching and thieves and all that so they all slept at night and in the morning when he woke up he panicked because when he put his hand in the pocket he didn't find the note so he just like panicked and everything and being quite analytical what he saw is that there was a gentleman on the same seat i mean on the same bench who was now offering samosas to everybody so he kind of was taken aback because he remembered that the night before when they had boarded the train the gentleman did not have that much money to pay for any kind of food he had a daughter along with him a young girl who he was taking for medical reasons to bombay and now suddenly early in the morning this same gentleman was buying samosas for everybody so he took couple of people into the police station over there and you know told him that uh, told the station master why don't you ask him to take out the money from his pocket this gentleman and i so the gentleman takes out all the money and says how does he know it is his to so my father just read out the note number from his memory and the master saw the station master saw that one of the notes did have that number and this way they were able to figure out that it was his note and then uh, the master said the station master said would you like to file a complaint my father said no that's okay this gentleman was doing it you know out of uh, dire circumstances so no need to file a complaint and they all boarded the train again and that was it the journey was over i mean that was forgotten no big deal uh how did he end up in pune uh, prakash so from amritsar he came to bombay and he stayed for some time in bombay again with some relatives and then he had relatives again in pune same uh, you know because my father came from an extended family in all there were five brothers and five sisters so one of the sisters was in pune so same he came to pune and he got a job again uh, sweeping on a floor and that's how he moved to pune and he found pune to be a much beautiful place you know i mean not city but just greenery and all that that time pune used to be very green and up in the mountains and so he was a romantic person he loved music he played the sitar he would love to sing he would sing sagal songs he had a very beautiful voice he would have moved to pune in 1947 48 but he was okay. in india prior to partition so it's not uh, that no. he came in during the migration right but uh, the rest of the family was in karachi right and he had to keep some, sending money some yeah so, some members yeah. some members had come into india some members were still left there but they mm-hmm. all i think came in before partition right and what was that journey like because uh, you know he was sending money back home and all of a sudden this happened what were the stories that he narrated and shared with you about that time and what were the challenges he faced and how he sort of overcame them the biggest challenge obviously would be money that you know a to survive on your own with whatever you have got and b now more people are coming in so how do you manage all that but he was uh, what to say very a person with very less needs he was not a spendthrift he would not especially when he didn't have money he would not go spend on things for himself or personal items even later on in life he would hardly go and buy things for himself hardly i mean i remember when we used to come to london once a year for a holiday it'll be me and my wife especially my wife would go to marks and spencer and buy him clothes because he would not buy anything <laughs> so she would say papa i think your trousers are really you know gone hey why so we need to buy new and he would say no i don't need anything new 
and then she knows his size by heart so she would quietly go and buy it and just replace it there are times she would go into his cupboard and take out the old clothes and just fill in the new ones and all this happened and all this at that time was quite tough quite difficult challenging and i think what what happened is because he went through all this at young age he appreciated the meaning of money he appreciated the meaning of spending money he appreciated the meaning of having money and because of what he experienced he also really really appreciated and thought of us on how to share money don't just keep it for you it is to give away give away either formally so he started an ngo where he started a college because he never went to school he never had education he never did any education but he he said to himself that i didn't get to do it but there are so many children in india so many people in india who are so smart and so educated who have such a good background but they really do not have a wherewithal to go to america and study so he said why should they all go if they can't afford but they have the brains so let me start colleges in india so he started one college in ratnagiri called finless academy of management technology and this too he started about 30 years ago and you can imagine ratnagiri at that time very small very quaint village but he did it getting teachers over there bringing them over there starting the syllabus and everything but he did it he said nothing doing we will do it and he did it he started a college called high school it in hinjewadi uh, in pune it's an it college which right now my sister looks after and she is in charge she and her daughter and basically the same aim that we will start an it college really for those children who understand it who are smart enough but cannot afford to go out of india to study why should they go out of india to study they should study in india study in india and live in india so that's what was his thing so he learned to give at a younger age very young age and that's what he taught us so we also started a small foundation which we call as mukul mother foundation and my wife and my daughter look after it we also have a small school in ratnagiri called mukul mother vidyalaya that also he insisted that you should start a english medium school in out of ratnagiri not even in ratnagiri but outside ratnagiri in a very small village where when we started we used to charge about i think 250 rupees a month per child, per person and today i think the fees have gone from 250 to 450 over a period of 12 years so it's passion he taught us to be passionate to be to always always be focused on people just people you know he he i think he valued people more than he valued things sure and what were the biggest challenges that he sort of spoke about when he spoke to you about bringing the rest of the family you know to india uh, did he share anything that you can tell our listeners about that period because uh there was a lot of violence there was a lot of bloodshed those kinds of things as well so in that uncertainty what was it that might have kept him going in a sense well luckily for him and for i would say most all of the family members they were all here so not many of them uh, did that so to say the migration during that period of time when you know everybody shifted so that physical and emotional uh, let's say the word torture at that time of moving from a to b did not really happen to him so he was pretty okay with that what did hurt him is missing the fact that he can't go back that he really missed so i remember maybe like 25 30 years ago i think icici bank had arranged for a trip or something for a cricket match or something and they invited him 
So he did visit uh, Karachi at that time, and he was very happy when he came back. He told us that things had changed. The buildings, his his house was still there. The building was still there, and he saw it from outside. So he was very happy about that. But he he spoke about going, wanting to go back, but he had accepted the fact that this was his new place. I mean, that Pune has new house. Sure, he only went back that one time, uh, Prakash. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Any stories from uh, Karachi that he had told you about his childhood there? Anything that he liked to eat, or I mean, it's lunch time, so I was just thinking about food. So anything that he liked to eat, or any friends that he had made there, who he kept in touch with, anything like that, no, which you can share with us? He didn't have much friends from there because I think everybody really went into different directions, and like you know, because communication was so poor, you really could not keep in touch. But what memories he loved talking about was and again this memory which i'll tell you is again got a story behind it so he would tell us that his grandmother who really looked after him when he was a kid would tell him that palaj and she would call him palaj palaj first you have to go into the well draw the water take a bath then come to me and then i'll give you breakfast and he would every day get up in the morning and say no first give me breakfast and she would be saying no this is what you'll do so his message was to us that it instilled discipline in him that this is how you do that everybody should be disciplined and he did it till the end he learned discipline and he taught us discipline by giving us examples another thing he taught us that his grandmother would take him you know into the market to eat uh, kachoris or samosas or sweets you know and uh, they would typically go and end up in one place and the reason he would go there and she would take him there is because the quality of the food over there was the best it's a small place it's not any luxurious place but a small place small stall where you stand and eat but they would keep going there and his message to us is that quality is the only thing which will attract your customers back to you so he instilled quality within the company he instilled quality within himself he instilled quality within us that whatever you manufacture make sure it is quality quality does not come just because you say your iso or gso or whatever quality comes only if you have it within you so he instilled quality and he would be working in the plant he would be working he'll be walking the floor shops every day everything people would know him he would know the workers people by name i remember when when i came back to india from college he said uh, take two days holiday because you're jet lagged and everything monday morning we'll go to office i said okay so monday morning i get in the car with him and he takes me to his office and i go up and he makes me sit and order a cup of tea and he picks up the phone and he asks for one of the persons to come from the floor from the floor shop and when the gentleman comes in i get up and say hi to him and i know the person because since childhood i've been going to the factory also my mother would take us to the factory every summer not because we would be working in the factory but because she would there was a vineyard and she would make us pluck grapes wash them and pack them she said you need to work you can't just be sitting at home during some holidays so she would make us work every summer holiday going to the factory so i knew this gentleman because of that experience so we said hi hello there was tea we had tea and then my father said please take him to the storehouse and get him two three uniforms you know the worker uniforms and from tomorrow morning 8 o'clock he's yours that was it then guy left and my father said from tomorrow morning you will only report to the workshop 
to him at 8 a.m. onwards. You will not come to my office, and I'll see you at home every day in the evening. That's it. And for the next two years, I was on the floor shop. The college education, everything put aside. He said, "Do nothing but just use your hands and eyes and be on the floor shop." That's how we brought up that everybody is the same. And actually, listening to a lot of what you're saying is bringing back uh, memories. My grandmother too actually came from uh, Rawalpindi, so she came when she was twelve years old as well. So you know, just a lot of the things that you're saying about Mr. Pralad the, are things that she tells me even today. You know, about sharing and saving and those kinds of things. She wouldn't be too happy with my habits, but I'm trying to be more like her. But when it comes to things that you know he has instilled in you, what did he really? What was the meaning of independence for him in that sense? You know, because it was a trying time for everyone and. what did he feel was the meaning of independence which he wanted you also to keep in mind in your life he, you know if you even see in his book he mentions that he didn't understand what was happening he really didn't understand what was happening he was a happy go lucky kid and he kind of heard that things like this are happening people are you know being separated and all that for him the most unpleasant thing was that he couldn't go back home he had hoped that he would come to pune start some work either bring the family here but to have that that openness of being able to travel back is what when he figured that out he also had gone through so much separation so much pain so much let's say difficulties and challenges that i don't know whether he had that luxury to enjoy emotions you know what i mean to have to be able to enjoy emotions you have to have that luxury and i think at that time he didn't have that luxury and by the time he grew and became bigger and bigger in age i think he just adopted it he just he just moved on he believed that one has to keep moving on and you have to be today for today you cannot keep reminiscing of the past he said if i wanted i could also keep reminiscing of the past that i used to have live in a big house and we had so much stuff and we used to do this he said i didn't have the time and luxury to do that i would just sleep on the floor go to sleep get up in the morning and start working so living that day living one day at a time right what about just the meaning of family from everything that you've said be it in his approach to work be it in his family life it seems like family and bonding is a very important aspect of him like his life so what does that mean for you also today in terms of even how the phenolex group operates for him family was important his immediate family so he would spend time with us i still remember not every evening but at least once a week in the evening he would read us a book not the whole book but quite a few pages out of a book and we could question him that why this why this and we would talk about it. and these were not heavy books i mean i remember he would talk he would read us book on shivaji maharaj and just tell us about the shivaji maharaj history or there would be a book on uh, i remember even on uh, gautam buddha and he would open the book and start reading some pages easy parts and tell us he would take us on walks on sundays he would take us on picnics on sundays he loved it he loved going on picnics and especially pune you know is the most beautiful place in the world i think during monsoon the most so during monsoon time he would take us for walks on sundays but he was so dedicated to work that i remember even if he had planned to take us on a holiday let's say for two three days for example to even a mableshwar or lonawala but something with work came out he would cancel the whole holiday without batting an eyelid that's it he didn't understand what a holiday meant he just knew what work is so his priority was work so we would just sit at home then I and mean, that was it 
Sure. Uh, just as a final question that I wanted to ask, you know, today we talk about businesses and startups and, you know, not most of them having sustainable business models. And you look at, say, a company like Phenolex, which is, which is such a huge conglomerate and is still going so strong. What do you think startups of today can learn from the things that your father put in as the foundation for Phenolex? Like I said, my father was, he instilled discipline in everything he did. And what it also meant that, you see, discipline also means patience. You you cannot, like he would tell us, you cannot build a building which is 10 floors high without starting from the basement up to the ground floor, then going up for a second. You can't just start on the 10th floor. It does not happen. And all of this requires discipline. He didn't believe in shortcuts and he never encouraged shortcuts. He said, when you keep saying the customer is king, you cannot just go and tell the customer that I am doing quality products. Quality products need time to be established. You have to keep doing it. You have to keep doing it the correct way, the right way, every time. You cannot take shortcuts. You have to have patience. And that is the only time when you can really, really deliver quality to your customer. And that's when your customer will keep coming back to you and also keep spreading your name with other people. Today's uh, businesses are a little different. I can't say that there is something which will come out from the past which would really help, except for the words which I'm saying again is customer satisfaction that is called quality and patience because the way businesses were done then and the way things are done today is a vast difference. It's totally, totally different. Today, the speed is so fast of communicating. You have to be on top of your toes to be always be available to your company, to your staff, to your customer. So businesses are different. The work is the same, but the, you have to adapt yourself to be able to meet those challenges. Could you share the sacrifices and learnings that you witnessed your father make, which contributed to making Phenolex what it is today? My father, when he came to India, well, not came to India, but when he left Amritsar to go to Bombay, he was given 10 rupees by his brother-in-law in his pocket. And when my father passed away in 2016, the market cap of Phenolex at that time was about 10,000 crores. So his journey was really remarkable. A person who just believed in, you know, being totally, totally law-abiding. He only believed in doing retail work because he said retail is the king. It's always growing. He even had ambitions. So had, and ambitions plus uh, practical. So... In India, you know, years ago, there used to be a big shortage of PVC. And uh, he said, why don't we set up a PVC plant? And at that time, the company turnover was hardly 25, 30 crores. And he had ambitions to set up a 200 crore plant. But uh, he kept going to Delhi. He made, I think, 100 trips to Delhi at that time to get a license because that time was, was license, Raj. And with a lot of patience and perseverance, he did that. He went to the banks in Bombay. I don't know how many trips he would make a week to go to Bombay to meet the banks for raising the funds. And then he set up the PVC plant in Ratnagiri. It 20 crore, then by then I think the, uh, the company had grown to 100 crores. But a 100 crore company then had done a project of 350 crores, 500 crores. So he was a person who was, you know, if he set his mind to something, he would just do it at whatever cost. And that's when, you know, all the holidays would go away. He would be focused on his work. We lived in rented houses for many, many years. He didn't care. He said, we will only buy a house when we can afford it. 
all the money is going to go only back into the business so he was a person even though who didn't speak english properly who never went to any kind of english education who wrote wrote broken english you should see how he used to write very broken english but he was a determined man he knew there was a potential to grow in india he knew there was a the, you could keep working and keep growing in india and that's what he believed in india but he would at times struggle like you know if we were in a meeting and let's say some foreigners came he would sometimes struggle in uh, trying to understand what that gentleman is saying so he would very politely tell him excuse me but please can you repeat what you said or say it differently so i can understand so he would not be shy of asking that question or saying that can you please tell me what you said so education for him because he didn't get it he set up colleges he helped he told my wife that you have to set up a english speaking school in ratnagiri it's going to help the children over there he also believed that if you teach the children that's how the society will come up they'll get better jobs they can go to better places like my 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 wife's school in ratnagiri in golap it's a village called golap she even teaches a german over there in the school and the reason being because there are 150 companies from germany in in, in pune so her thinking was that if these children get to speak to learn german they will get a better job opportunity in a german company in pune and that means a better salary a better pay so he learned to give back to society like is what i'm saying because giving back to society he started hope foundation he started helped us start mukulmada foundation basically all ways of giving back to society and he he gave it back a lot i mean he didn't like talking about it so he gave back a lot he always used to say what you give with the right hand the left hand should know that's it simple home is where the heart is but what does being displaced from your home mean what does not being able to return to the place of your birth feel like i don't think we'd ever know but through stories like that of pp chabria we certainly can try to chronicle the memories of the past and find their relevance in the present for some things are forever a sense of our history humility and honor On the 75th anniversary of our Independence Day, we hope you like the story of one such business bazigar. This is your host Diariki signing off, and if you liked part 1, please join us as ET's Vikram Doctor takes us on a rendezvous through other similar adventures of entrepreneurs and their enterprises. Some famous and some not so. This episode was produced by Sumit Pandey from The Economic Times and Swati Joshi from Avaaz. Sound editing was done by Rajesh Nayak and Indranil Bhattacharjee from The Economic Times. Executive producers Anupriya Bahadur and Arijit Parman. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it on your social media. Do tune in to ED Play, our latest platform for all audio content including the morning brief. On account of Independence Day, the morning brief will not air on Tuesday. You'll hear from us again on Thursday and Friday. Thank you for tuning in and happy Independence Day.